Good morning. This is John Richardson speaking with you from Toronto, Canada. It is Monday morning, November the 14th, which means that I'm also connecting with Jimmy Sexton, CEO of the Esquire Group in Dubai, for our weekly or bi-weekly chats, updates, what have you. How are you doing today, Jimmy? Doing fantastic, John. How about yourself? I am fine. And we, you know, we, we just completed our 27 podcasts on the great book, Charles Adams for Good and Evil, but nah, no reason to stop. We've got all kinds of interesting things to talk about and probably relate back to the great book. A lot going on in the world these days in, 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 in topic of text. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the way it affects people, of course. And, you know, it's funny, I, I'm an early riser and I woke up and didn't have a clear idea of what we were going to talk about today, but looked on Twitter and my God, there's a fascinating uh, a thread going on that I thought we, we might talk about. And the thread is, let me see if I can find it here. Um, yeah, the thread is, let's see here. Started by somebody. And uh, I apparently have to log in just a minute. But what reasons are there against renunciation? So, uh, you know, people are, are definitely uh, thinking about this renunciation stuff quite a bit. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of discussion, it seems to me, of why renounce. And, I mean, I agree that, you know, U.S. citizenship is a pretty bulky uh, inconvenient thing to deal with. I think there's no question about that. But this thread is uh, inviting discussion. What reasons are there against renunciation other than you'll think one day moving to the United States? So I thought we might talk about that. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Jimmy? Good topic? Yeah, I mean, and I, 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 mean, I think there are a lot of reasons um, to, to not expatriate uh, you know, besides whether or not you want to live in the United States. I mean, actually, to me, whether or not you want to live in the United States in the future is actually uh, a, a smaller um, consideration. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that, I, 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 to me, that's almost not a consideration because, I mean, if, if you're a person, again, it doesn't apply to everybody, but a person of means, for example, could expatriate and eat relatively easily I mean if they depending on on the, the second citizenship they have get a work permit um, through a company that they own or an investor's visa or something like that and uh, gain access to the United States even become resident again uh, but not have the expatriation tax exit tax again so yeah find so another find another way to be there on a visa that's not a green card or, or something of that nature. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I've seen so many, so many different ways over the years of people uh, managing to live in the United States. I mean, I think interestingly, um, in Canada, you know, with this, what used to be called NAFTA, this USMC, uh, yeah. treaty they've got, you know, allows a lot of Canadians to just go live there. Right. Yep. So there are definitely options, and I think you make an interesting point. And I think that to some extent, um, you know, the idea that, God, if I renounce, I'll be barred is really, I think, evidence of seeing yourself as a U.S. citizen, right? 
uh, more than anything, because if you don't see yourself as a U.S. citizen, I think it's a lot easier to contemplate other ways to live there, don't you think? For sure. I mean, I, 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 yeah, there's, there's a lot of options to be able to live there. Now, look, I think that those options do get a bit more complex if you have a, a second citizenship that's not from a visa waiver country um, and you want to get back into the United States, especially if you're a covered expatriate. I mean, I've seen uh, quite a few people that have expatriated that didn't have citizenships from, from visa waiver countries that had a very difficult time and some were denied entry altogether. Um, yeah, okay. I mean, I think that that's definitely an issue. When you talk about renunciation, uh, I think that citizens of some countries are giving up far less than citizens of others. For example, you know, for a Canadian to renounce, well, you know, you don't need a visa to go to the United States anyway. Of any, or, you know, it's not even a visa waiver, it's just a simple passport issue, right? Yep. So, you know, that would be the gold standard in terms of people renouncing. But you know, if you were a citizen of, oh, I don't know, I would use the same example, say Iran, uh, you know, I I think you'd be giving up a great, certainly a lot more than a Canadian to renounce, don't you think? I mean, I mean, not even as extreme as Iran, right? I mean, even if you just look at, you know, a lot of countries from South America or you look at, you know, even even Mexico or, um, you know, I think I, I think India or I mean, these, I, I think it's an issue for, for a lot of people. Pakistan, Pakistan. For sure. Yeah. So well, I, I think, I think what, what I would add, though, is so I think that that is potentially, you know, one reason to not expatriate is, you know, if you want to even travel to the United States, forget about living there, and you have a second or third or tier passport or, or worse, you know, um, it becomes exponentially more difficult to gain access to, to the U.S. if you don't have a good second passport. I think that, I think that's absolutely right. And it's funny because just this morning I saw Henley and Partners, you know, advertising for their annual citizenship summit or whatever they call it, you know, where they preach the virtues of getting second citizenships and that. And I think there's, there's no question about that. All right. So, the question they're asking on Twitter, what reasons are there other than you think one day you'll move to the U.S.? So I think, you know, you, you began with, I think, a really, really good one. And that is that you're treated as a citizen of whatever passport you hold. Yeah. And, you know, I, I would also, I mean, I would also add, you know, I mean, I think another reasons, I think another reason is also, you know, a familial one is, you know, are there people in the United States to absolutely, it's kind of related to the first one, but are there people in the United States that you absolutely cannot live uh, without seeing, right? And, and you want to guarantee to be able to see those those people. Um, and, and, the, and then you also have the, the issue, depending on, for example, what your employment is um, or, or what your, your, business situation is are people going to look at you negatively in a way that could uh negative you know hinder your ability to make a living that's also something to think about i mean a lot of people view expatriation as something very unpatriotic and um you know depending on what your employment is if it has any or or you know if you're a, a contractor with a security clearance or something like that expatriation could impact um 
your your employment. So I think those are also things that need to be considered. What do you know about the issue with uh, our military pensions? Um, I don't know. I don't know a lot about it, but I'm 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 not familiar with. I, I've in, so far in my career, I've never come across a situation where somebody has lost their pension due to expatriation. It's, you know, yeah. subject to a uh, to a withholding tax, but I've never seen somebody just outright lose their pension. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because there's a lot of concern. Uh, in this area, you know, you see people talking about they have a sort of like a VA disability pension or, you know, some other type of military pension. And the question is, you know, would renunciation impact that? And I am not clear on the answer to that either. But I do think that somebody who's in that uh, situation is considering renunciation probably should invest in some good advice in that area. Sure. Uh, you know, Social Security, by and large, is not affected. Correct. And, you know, I mean, pensions from the U.S., if you expatriate, I mean, basically, you're just going to, you know, you're still going to get them. But the difference, of course, is that you're taxed as a non-resident alien, right? Yeah, I mean, look, which in, in not in, in all, I mean, obviously, you know, usually you have the default withholding rate of, of uh, 30%, but depending on the country where you're resident, uh, you know, if there's a tax treaty, a lot of times the withholding in the U.S. is reduced to zero. Yeah. Now, you know, that's a, that's another a very, very good point. And I think we ought to make it uh, separately. A moment ago, we talked about, you know, the idea of citizenship uh, from the point of view of showing up at the U.S. border or trying to visit, you know, what is your citizenship and what kind of visa might you need? But I think a second consideration upon expatriation is your what your tax residency will be, irrespective of your citizenship. Yeah. Because, you know, you raise the issue, and quite properly raise the issue of treaties. But generally, the treaty, to get the benefit of the treaty, you've got to be a tax resident of a certain country, right? Correct. You know, so, so that, that's an issue as well. So, for example... Uh, let's say that you are a uh, dual uh, Japan-U.S. citizen. Uh, let's say that you're living in the U.K. Mm. So you renounce U.S. citizenship. You become a Japanese citizenship for the purposes of immigration. But you're treated as a British tax resident for the purposes of the treaty, generally, right? Correct. So, you know, these are these are very interesting. Uh, these are very, very interesting issues, actually. And, of course, uh, you know, very often it's the case when it comes to the to uh, to pensions that only the country that the tax, the country of tax residency has the exclusive right to tax them. Right. Yeah. I mean, look, there's there's I mean, this is pensions are a super complicated area of, of U.S. taxation because there's also um you know, some rules, like I recently looked at the, the Italy tax treaty with the United States, and I know that there's some other tax treaties like this, where, uh, yes, pensions are generally only taxed in the country where the person is tax resident. So in your example, the UK, but the, but the treaty with Italy, for example, says, well, if the pension relates to prior employment in the US, then the US can tax it. Right, that's right. 
which and I think most treaties, I think there's quite a few treaties that have provisions like that. And you know, also if you're a covered expatriate, a lot of times you have to waive treaty benefits altogether. So I think the pension issue is a very complex issue when people expatriate because you need to look at, you know, what kind of pension is it? Are you a covered expatriate? Of what country are you going to be a tax resident? Does the treaty apply? Uh, if the treaty does apply, is there anything that could alter it, like past, you know, employment or being having to have waived treaty benefits due to being a covered expatriate? It's a fairly complex analysis. Yeah, you know, yeah, most people think they don't need help with expatriation. Yeah. You know, which is, you know, is, uh, really, you know, pretty ridiculous and shocking, actually. Um, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I agree with you completely. Uh, you know, the stuff is very complicated. And then, of course, you know, there's another layer of that while we're talking about pensions is that Article 19 of most of these treaties treats government pensions differently. Or rather, pensions, you know, specifically from government employment. Yep. And you know what's fascinating about that? Um you know, here's a reason that you would not want to renounce U.S. citizenship. I think I'm right on this, but if anybody's listening, this is a signal you check it yourself. All right, I'm just speaking from memory here. But I th- I believe I'm right in saying that. Okay, so for the uh, for U.S. government employment for a British tax resident, uh, basically as long as they're an American citizen, uh, the U.K. won't tax it under the treaty. Could it be? I don't know. U.S. citizenship, they will. That's quite possible. I, I haven't looked. I haven't looked at well, that. I'm treaty. sure you haven't. Okay, because these are these fringe issues that become, you know, an issue, you know, on a person by person basis. But, you know, in other words, and I think this is a point worth making that by renouncing U.S. citizenship, you may very well be giving up things. For sure. You know, that might be, that, you know, including, including, including beyond tax issues, you know, the, the ability to go to U.S. embassies or be protected by the United States abroad. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how much that's actually worth, but OK. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, certainly when you sign the, the DS 4081, which is the statement of understanding, that's one of the things that you're agreeing to. Yeah. Uh, you know, so so there's no question about that. But it is interesting to me uh, when you start going through these tax treaties, how your citizenship status, how many places it actually does matter. Uh, you know, even even outside the context of citizenship taxation. For sure. Oh, yeah. Then, of course, there's this absolutely laughable uh, U.S. Uh, French tax treaty that gives all these yep. benefits to U.S. citizens living in France. Yep. I mean, there's no, there's no other treaty like this, right? I mean, it's really extraordinary. Yeah. And I mean, one, one of the other things that I would add, which kind of goes goes back to, to what you were saying, you may be giving things up, right? I mean, again, some of the things that you would want to look at, in, in addition you know, to the tax issues is obviously like, you know, if you own a business, is it a regulated activity? Is is becoming a non-U.S. citizen going to somehow impact that, right? Do you have a professional license? Does, does that professional license require you to be a U.S. citizen or a resident? So I think there's, I think there's some considerations there that you need to look at too, because, you know, there could be instances where expatriation could could cause you to no longer qualify for whatever the regulated license yeah. is. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, that's another great point. Another one comes to mind is that, um, I mean, let's imagine somebody who is a citizen of country A, but lives in country B, and is living in country B, uh, you know, they signed up as a U.S. citizen, and their visa in country B is dependent on their, their having a U.S. passport, right? Yep. You know, I mean, that's another, I mean, that probably is solvable just by substituting the other citizenship, but maybe not, right? Maybe not. And, and, and I think it's something that I would add to this, and this is something that we kind of saw during the pandemic too, is will expatriating cause you to have different citizenships than your family? Because this was an issue that, that I saw with, uh, you, over COVID is you had people who wanted to go, who wanted to travel and you needed to do these uh, repatriation flights and families with different citizenships couldn't use the same embassy, right? So we saw some instances where people had to go get permission from a U.S. embassy, the the, the wife and daughter, the husband had to go to a U.K. embassy, but the but the husband was only allowed to go back to the U.K. because that's where he's a country, where he's a citizen of, and the American and and the, the daughter, because the daughter was also American, were also only allowed to go back to the United States because that's technically where they were from. And I mean, they wound up solving this issue, but it was a it was a big problem during the pandemic. Yeah, um, yeah, and you know, it's quite interesting because you know, as I like to say, you know, for ninety nine point nine percent of the world, citizenship really doesn't matter because it doesn't affect you until it does. Yep. When it does, there's, there's, you know, I've yet to see a small impact on somebody's life because of a citizenship-related issue. Yep. You know, that's what's interesting. Here's another one that um, occurred to me, that has occurred to me over the last few months. Um, and, and this thought was triggered by the whole COVID thing and the restrictions on mobility. But I think it still may be the case, uh, if it's not the case today, it was the case recently, that in order to fly into the United States as a non-U.S. citizen, you have to have proof of uh, vaccination. Mm -hmm. U.S. citizens do not have to have proof of vaccination. And, you know, the COVID thing may be more or less behind us, but this raises another interesting question, right? Uh, you know, applying uh, standards of entry, uh, you know, in the vaccine area, for example, that, you know, to, to non-citizens. Mm -hmm. You know, we see this, I mean, clearly entry into, I think, probably most countries, you know, including Canada. But that's that's another issue as well, you know. I don't know. What do you think about that one? No, I think that's definitely, I mean, I think that goes back to, to the immigration issues, right? I mean, as, as a U.S. citizen, you have a, a right to travel to the United States and enter the United States. As a non-U.S. citizen, you, you, you just don't. I mean, that's just, you have no right to go there. Yeah. Right? So they yeah. place yeah. whatever types of rules and stuff on you um, or criteria for entry that they want. You, you don't really have anything to say about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, then we have, you know, it's interesting because, you know, usually we default into all this tax stuff, but we haven't so much talked about that today. Um, but I think it's it's worth making the point that if you renounce U.S. citizenship and you're, you know, you don't meet the substantial presence test, uh, you're going to be a non-resident alien for tax purposes, right? Yeah. 
And I think that people who have significant U.S. assets or income streams that are primarily U.S. really ought to think long and hard before becoming a non-resident alien. Would you agree? Yeah. So that was going to be that was going to be my my next point. I mean, look, I mean, again, I think this somewhat goes back to um, where the person is going to be tax resident of after they leave. Right. I mean, in, in some instances, even with significant U.S. assets and significant U.S. income streams, it doesn't necessarily become more expensive from an income tax perspective to be a non-resident alien. Right. I mean, if you figure that you're a, a U.S. citizen and you're paying tax on your worldwide income, even if half of your income is from the United States, if you expatriate and continue to pay tax on that, uh, your U.S. income, you're only paying tax on 50% of your total worldwide income, which will probably put you in a lower tax bracket, at least. And, and, and in terms of, you know, you also have the estate tax issues that if you own significant U.S. assets, but, you know, a lot of this stuff can be structured around with proper pre-expatriation planning, right, to, to really sort yeah. of reduce that impact. But certainly, you know, it does become more complicated. If you have a lot of U.S. assets and, and, and income, it is easier to be a citizen. I mean, look, if 80, 90 percent of your income and assets are in the U.S., yeah, there's no point in expatriation, right? Um, well, I, I think it could be uh, a gigantic financial mistake to do so. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, look, I think sort of in that same vein that you need to, to look at as well is, you know, depending on what sort of what your financial situation in, in the U.S. is, you know, how is this going to affect your banking and your brokerage accounts? You know, a lot of brokerage accounts, for example, won't allow non-resident aliens uh, to have accounts. How's it going to impact your credit cards? Are you going to be allowed to keep those and continue to use those? Are you be yeah, credit absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what, what's the impact going to be on your U.S. In, in, in investments, right? I mean, I, I think that there's certain restrictions. Um, you know, like I know, for example, if businesses weren't majority U.S. owned, they didn't qualify for PPP, for example, and other things. And then we already talked a little bit about the retirement accounts and things like that. So you really kind of have to dive into the nitty gritty of your life to determine how I expect. Yeah, absolutely. And it could affect the status of uh, a certain corporations, whether they're for, uh, CFCs or not. hundred percent. You know, as a general principle. So there, there's, there's absolutely no question about it. Absolutely no question. All right, let, let's, you know, I mean, you know, I don't want to give the impression we're trying to talk people out of expatriation, which we are certainly not. But because, you know, clearly expatriation has an awful lot of benefits or people wouldn't be considering it. For sure. But, but let's talk a little bit about the profile that really doesn't have a lot to lose by expatriating. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. somebody comes to you and well, who who's the person who, uh, you know, Probably you don't have to think too hard about whether renunciation is a good idea or not. Well, I mean, look, I think I think you have, I, I think one which is a, a very simple category is accidental Americans, right? That you know were born in the U.S. or their parents were in the U.S., but you know they spent their whole life outside of the U.S. Besides vacations, they don't really have. They maybe have some you know distant family members, but there's no assets or anything in the United States. I think most of those people. You know, if they have a good second citizenship, then, you know, there's really 
the U.S. citizenship isn't, isn't giving them any benefit. I think that one's kind of a no-brainer. Okay, and but included in the definition of that accidental American, I think we ought to punctuate it with, uh, you know, do not have a bunch of U.S. assets or income streams, right? Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, 100%, right? I mean, I'm talking about people that for all intents and purposes has very little connection to the U.S., you know, very little or no income or assets, and you know, essentially, you know, Belgians or Germans or whatever, they yeah, just yeah. happen to have a U.S. passport. Okay. Uh, what if there are accidental Americans uh, who are anticipating inheritances from the U.S., though? Well, I don't, I, I mean, I think it depends on what the inheritance consists of, right? Because the in, in the U.S., it's not the recipient who's paying the estate tax, it's the estate of the deceased. So there's no U.S. tax implication, at least not a state tax implication, of uh, an accidental American who's who's renounced their citizenship receiving it. But depending on what type of inheritance this is, I mean, look, if it's money, sure, go ahead and expatriate because you can just wire that into your foreign bank account and be done with it. But if it's what, what if it were a 50-story apartment building somewhere? Well, I mean, then that's, that's a, a different story, right? Because then you have estate tax issues. You're going to have right. to start, you know, you're going to have U.S. income tax filing requirements. And it might be better to continue to be be a U.S. person. But, you know, again, look, a lot of this stuff could be solved with proper planning, right? I mean, if, you know, by using, if you inherited it and then put it in a, in a, in a right, properly structured trust and then expatriated, uh, then you could keep it out of your estate, right? Um, or if you transferred it to, you know, if you live in a treaty partner country and you transfer it to a foreign corporation there, then, you know, usually under the treaty, you can also get out of uh, the estate tax. Right. There, there, there are solutions, but it's very circumstance dependent. So there are solutions. They are circumstantially dependent, and they're generally costly. I would say. I mean, people need to yes. pay some money for this type of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, another uh, one that I thought of in terms of uh, to remain a U.S. citizen, and people would have different views on this, of course, but we did not mention this. And it's more in the immigration camp. And that is that, uh, you know, if you're young and you're anticipating having children, uh, maybe you want to keep U.S. citizens so your children can be born U.S. citizens or maybe not, right? Yeah, that was going to be one of the final points that I was going to bring up. I mean, I, I think I think a lot of people that, um, you know, it's interesting. I think a lot of people want their kids to be Americans and give their kids the choice of whether or not to expatriate. Um, you know, I mean, I, I've seen it both ways, right? I mean, I remember um, giving, I remember a few times giving speeches about the U.S. tax obligations and having mothers starting to cry going, oh my God, what have I done making my kids U.S. citizens um, on more than one occasion? But by the same token, you know, I also think that a lot of people um, that, that a lot of people do want their kids to be able to have the citizenship so that they can go to university there and, and, and live there and work there if they want and kind of make up their own mind. Well, they can keep it as a kid where it doesn't matter and, you know, see whether it's going to change or whatever, and, you know, deal with it as, as life goes on. But, you know, I did. But I mean, I think, as, you know, I think that's a definite consideration. You know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not suggesting an answer 
maybe it matters, maybe it doesn't. Okay, but I think it's it's a simple part of the factual context here that that people that people need to understand. You know, as we bring this to an end, I think the the real elephant in the room is you know we can talk about tax and this and that, but you know I find for a lot of people the U.S. thing really comes down to an identity issue. You know, they 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 just you know they view themselves as American and they it's who they are, part of who they are, and you know they just they just would hardly recognize themselves if they cease to be American or they change their. Well, I mean, what do you think? I mean, hundred percent. And I mean, look, one of the first things, I mean, it, it's funny. I, I sort of have like a, a checklist that I go through with people when I'm um, advising them on expatriation and tax is actually a very small part of it. Um, but I have one whole section that's, that's devoted to emotional considerations. And it's actually the first one that I talk about, because if you can't get past through that, through those, there's no point in talking in any of the other ones. And it's one, are, are you able to, to, to sort of break this emotional bond? Is it something that you can live with? A lot of people, or, or not, I'm not going to say a lot, a lot of people. I, I do know that some people felt, have felt shame about doing it um, or about the prospect of doing it, and they've never done it. I know some people that did it in spite of it wound up being happy that they did. But there's also a lot of thought of what are friends and family going to think um, you know, is it unpatriotic? If, are people going to find me on this list of people who expatriated and look down on me? Um, so there's definitely a huge emotional component to it. Well, it's not just what I call all that necessarily emotional. I think, you know, by identity, I think all everything you're saying is absolutely true, but just to, you know, bore down a little more specifically, uh, you know, I think that. The citizenship for people is is part of who they are, and I think a lot of people just you know they 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 just don't feel they would recognize themselves if they were no longer a British citizen or a Canadian or an American or a German, you know this sort of stuff, right? You know, I mean, look, I I agree with you, but I also think that this emotional connection is stronger in the United States than anywhere else. Right. I mean, I think, I think I, you're right on that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, listen, I mean, you grow, I mean, you grow up pledging allegiance to the flag, um, you know, uh, you, you know, singing the star spangled banner, you know, I mean, the American flag throws up all over everything. <laughs> um, you know, you have 4th of July, which is a big thing. I mean, you're really indoctrinated yeah. from a very young age that, you know, you need to be patriotic and, and, you know, U.S. is the greatest country on earth. And, you know, I think that when you look at people in Europe, for example, especially since, um, you know, Schengen and, and, and the EU and free travel and right to movement, you see a lot of people, you know, you see a German move to Spain. And at some point they just say, screw it, you know, it makes more sense to be a Spaniard at this point. And, you know, Jamie, the, the, the simple truth of the matter is that U.S., or Canadian citizenship is far worse than one of these European EU or yeah. just far worse. I mean, there's, a, there's not, a, there's no comparison because of the, you know, the mobility rights that those passports give me. I'm amazed that, you know, that uh, Britain or whatever, you know, pulled out of that. I mean, it was basically, you know, with a stroke of a pen or whatever, they so devalued, a British yeah. citizenship, almost sure. as much as the U.S. has devalued American citizenship because of the tax yeah. thing. For sure. But, you know, like what I tell people is, 
because I, you know, I, I do sense a lot of this. I mean, it's not always articulated, but said, so, you know, you can renounce it. You're always going to be an American if you choose to be. I mean, all you're really doing is just breaking the, uh, you know, the tax connection. Well, I mean, look, I, I think it goes, I mean, personally, yes, you're breaking a tax connection, but I think it also goes a little bit beyond that, right? I mean, I think it also depends on, depending on where you live in the world, being an American could be a security risk. Um, you know, there's certain in, investments that will not allow you to invest in, as an American. Uh, I, I've seen businesses that w refuse to take on American business partners. No, um, I have, I Jimmy, I have expatriated people precisely because they were told renunciation was a condition of buying into a business. Okay. Yeah, for sure. These are, know, facts. Okay. It, These are facts. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it cause divorces. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. I, mean, I, think, yeah. I think it goes far beyond the tax, but it all, I think a lot of that all relates back to the tax, right? Because, you know, at the end of the day, the people who are buying in, you know, they don't want you in the business because they don't want their business reported to the U S yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It all it all relates back to the you know the the uh, tax and regulatory regime and the extent to which I mean I don't know why you know well it's like we know that with U.S. legislation all you have to do to see what it's not about is read the title. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know that's step one. What's it about? I don't know, but I'll tell you what it's not about. It's not about <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, yeah, I agree with that a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, if they, if the U.S. government was a business, they'd be in trouble for false advertising. No question about it. I mean, I think honestly, I mean, I think this is an objective statement that well, you can tell me if you agree or disagree, but you know, this whole notion that somehow Americans are the land of the free and freer than other people, I think, is preposterous. And I think the whole citizenship taxation thing is proof of it. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, look, I mean, I think, I think, I think that's a part of it. I mean, I think the land of the free and the home of the brave. You have this this freedom. I mean, just look at our police officers look like military personnel, you know, running around. And I mean, they they, they I mean, are military all, personnel. Yeah, yeah, I mean, look at all the the human. I mean, look, I mean, you know, they talk about China human rights abuses. I mean, what about the human rights abuses that the police and law enforcement are doing on U.S. citizens every day? Um, yeah, there's no question about that. But it's harder for people, you know, they get used to it and they, you know, yeah. they, they, they live in it, they swim in it, they sort of know how to exist in that kind of environment. But it's easy to say, well, you know, these bad things are things that go on elsewhere. And the truth is that governments, I think, are presumptively bad. I think they're presumptively I agree with you. bad wherever they are. And it's the yeah. job of you know, an enlightened citizenry to try to, you know, keep them in check to the extent that they can. You know, I, I think the biggest tell for me with the American government, you know, I remember when I was a little kid and we used to travel between Europe and the United States. We would come back through immigration, you know, in the 80s, you know, even in the 90s and the immigration officer would always be like, welcome home. You know, they were all, they looked so happy. They'd welcome you home. And it was kind of a good feeling, right? Like you kind of, you're like, wow, I belong here. You know, this is home. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, ever since 9-11, which was just such a horrible turning point for the U.S., I mean, you come into, coming into the United States, even as a citizen, because I, I traveled a lot. I, you know, I spent more time outside of the U.S. than I did in the U.S. 
and I would get harassed going in. They're nicer to me now since I've expatriated going back as a non-American than they ever were to me as an American. Now I go back and they're like, oh, we're glad you're here to visit. Well, sure. Yeah, I think I think it is. is I mean, this is sad, but I think it's true that America treats non-citizens better, you know, better than its citizens. For sure. But, you know, one last question, you know, it's been a great discussion. I thank you for it. Um, you know, you know, these people who, uh, you know, they'll live in Canada forever as a permanent resident, not become a Canadian, right? Mm-hmm. They live in the United States for a million years, you know, on a green card. They don't become an American. I mean, it seems to me that this can be justified only in terms of the, you know, this emotional dimension to this whole thing. I mean, what do you I think? Mean, no, I mean, 100%. I mean, listen, I mean, I'm, I'm a, you know, I, I, I know someone that has been in, been in the United States for over 50 years since they were a small child um, and is still on a green card, never became a citizen and refuses to become yeah, yeah. Must be very law-abiding. I'd be concerned about deportation. <laughs> yes. Um, very law-abiding. But you know, they're they're they just won't do it. They just uh they just they just they somehow feel like they've lost or they've given up or given in or something by doing it. And maybe that's just a strong connection to, to not wanting to be an American, you know, but but still wanting to live there because once you've been there that long, you're better off just being a citizen. Like there's, there's I, 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 well, I certainly would agree with you. I, you know, it's, I mean, objectively, it sounds like total insanity. But the thing is, I see this all the time, you know, sitting from my desk in Toronto. You know, I work with these people, and, you know, first thing I, you know, we, I ask whether they're the U.S., are you a Canadian? No. How long have you lived here? Oh, you know, 50 years. <laughs> the first thing I say is, look, at a minimum, Please get Canadian citizenship so you get the protection of the tax treaty. Please, okay. Yeah. Well, there's a practical reason to do it. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 just madness. Well, this has been a great discussion, and I'm going to put it in the Twitter thread, and hopefully, or maybe some people will read it because I think this cool. is a lot more complicated than than it, most people realize. You know, By the way, I would also say to listeners that. I think that Jimmy and I have done a pretty decent job camp raising a lot of issues this morning, but uh, I'm sure there are things that we uh, that have eluded us this morning in our conversation. So keep that. 100%. I mean, I think that that's something that, that we see, you know, I see a lot, but a lot of people are just focused on, on the tax consequences. They kind of ignore a lot of the other things, um, which is a huge, which is a huge mistake, right? I mean, people are always surprised when they sit down with me to start planning their expatriation. Some of the questions and some of the considerations. Oh yeah, yeah. There's no question about that. But I will say this, okay, that one of the problems of being American is that too much of life energy is focused on taxation and tax issues. Uh, you know, it's really, it, and this is, I think, for resident Americans as well. I mean, taxation is sort of front and center. I saw a very interesting tweet this weekend. The first, it just sort of went by, and then it was like, whoa, let me take a second look. What's that doing there? Somebody put up a tweet about who the acting IRS commissioner was. Okay. Is there any other country in the world where, you know, the name or the, you know, there's all this interest in who heads the tax system? 
I mean, you no. know, this is a peculiarly American thing where the IRS commissioner I never thought of that right. in your life. I mean, that yeah. is bad. That is bad. And I would argue he's probably the most hated person in America. <laughs> well, I, I, mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe yes, maybe no, but I think uh, whether most hated or not, I, it's incredibly significant. I mean, I have no idea who the revenue minister, whatever it's called, in Can I honestly do not. You don't even know what he's called. Yeah, you're right. So, I mean, by the way, Canada is a brutal, brutal system of taxation, right? Yeah. But, I mean, they're high taxes, but at least they can be understood. Uh, so, let's assume that there's a lot of people in Canada, probably an overwhelming majority, who don't, don't know the identity of that individual. Here, on Twitter, a bunch of Americans abroad, somehow the identity of the new IRS commissioner is key information. Yeah, that is a symptom of something seriously wrong with the tax system. I think I, I couldn't agree with you more. All right, great discussion. Closing words of Sexton wisdom, including where <laughs> they can get in touch with you. Uh, www.esquiregroup.com. Uh, my 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 only word of, words of wisdom are uh, think long and hard about the expatriation and all the different things that it could impact. Don't rush to a decision. Uh, once you do it, it is irrevocable. And a lot of the sort of consequences of expatriation, tax and not tax, can be resolved with proper planning, right? But if you expatriate, you can't do the planning after the fact. Yeah, so, well, that, that certainly is true. And by the way, that is a reason why, and I feel very strongly about this. There's a lot, I'm sure, I'm, I'm guessing you would agree with me, but... There's a lot of advice out there. We'll get yourself renounced and then we'll deal with all these other issues. I mean, they're really absolutely advice. insanely bad advice. Insanely. I bad. could not agree with you more. All right. All right. Oh, and in closing, okay, there are good reasons to expatriate as well. Maybe we should do a separate, if we even need to do a separate podcast on that. It'll be a really short one, John. <laughs> There, well, there are there are there are strong, overwhelming reasons. Anyway, great, appreciate connecting with you as always, and uh, till next week. All right, John. Thank you.